My name is Donna Burkhead, and I'm a math teacher with uh, Faith Academy of Marble Falls. I've been there for four years. Um, prior to that, I taught in public school for 20 years. And um, so I have a variety. I've taught in some community colleges, classes, things like that, a variety of math experience. One of the things I like to do in classrooms, but I don't have enough time to do, is projects and activities. The math classrooms so often can be somewhat boring. Uh, same thing every day. You stand up the board, you work problems. And so finding ways to give it a little bit of uh, oomph or a little bit of activity has always been fun for me. That is an issue in the university model because we only have three days and we only have three hours. And so that does become a greater issue. So you do have to pick and choose a little more carefully what you're going to do. Um, before I go any further, let me hand this out. This is just a very short outline. There's not a whole lot on it. Uh, just to give myself some pointers as I go through this with you. The first thing I thought we probably ought to talk about is why do we do projects particularly, not so much activities, but projects. Does your school have a policy where you have to do a project every semester or every year? Uh, I'd like to hear from y'all. What do you do? Do you do math projects? Okay. Do your schools require projects? Okay, so your school encourages but doesn't uh, mandate. Okay, anybody else? The same. Okay. For your high school, you're encouraged or do you, are you required? A year or a semester? A semester. Okay. Um, I think we probably fall in the same ballpark. We're encouraged, uh, strongly encouraged, I think, to do one every semester. Um, although they have allowed me in pre-cal and calculus to, in calculus I didn't even do one. Uh, in pre-cal, I just did one for the year. <clears throat> what I have spread out are some of the different posters that we've gotten in over the years. But the next thing I'd like to talk, well, perhaps we should talk about why we do po uh, projects. What's the purpose of doing a project other than if your school tells you you have to? Any ideas? Your school tells you you have to, but is there a purpose behind it? To help them find a need for the math, okay? Some students are kinesthetic, and this gives them an opportunity to use their gifts that God has given them to, um, to do some math. Um, you've made me think of this project I got back several, several years ago, probably 15 years ago, from a student who was very bright, but he also was very artistic. And I had given them a lot of leeway in, as to what they could do. It just had to be a project, and it had to include certain math topics, I'm sure. I don't even remember now, 15 years ago. But he did all this in pen and ink. And I've kept this all these years in the front of my notebook kind of to remind myself that if we allow them to use their creativity in their God-given gift, wow, the things we can get from them. I have in my mind that this year I want somebody to do a video project where they go out and do video and somehow use that as a project. Um, I haven't quite figured it out up here. Have any of you all ever done any video type projects? Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Okay. Do you know the name of the show? Channel? Yes, PBS. PBS. It's PBS, and it's, it's two live people, and they mm -hmm. do some movies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. My kids are all grown. I don't know those things. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I, I've, I've got that little bug in my head right now about wanting to somehow use video to do some kind of math project, and I haven't quite figured out how to do that. So if any of you come up with ideas before we leave, please share them. Or if any of you have had other ideas of things you do. Because to me, a project should be so much more than just a poster board. We can get some really cool poster boards, and some of these here are fantastic. I mean, look at the creativity of talking about movie tickets and doing a, a thing of popcorn. One of them here is a – some. Um, there's a cup. It's like a teacup. And I actually didn't bring all the little parts. This little teacup also had a handle, and she, the girl that did it had smoke billowing out of it, but those pieces were hard to bring. But, um, you know, creativity you can get with things like this. Um, but there's so much more out there, and some of those other things will appeal to some of our other students so much more than just doing a poster board. Um, video. PowerPoint. For those that like to use computers, there's some awesome things they can do with PowerPoint. And I actually have a couple examples of some that I got in from students this year. So, <coughs> um, brochures. Um, I have had my students make a brochure, not just uh, a typed page, but I had them make a brochure somewhere in my packet. Let's pass these out also. Uh, I think I actually have it up here, Linda. What I'm handing out to you is just a combination of sheets that I, as I was going through my stuff, I found and thought might be useful. Um, if you turn back, it's almost the last page, the second from the last. That is the brochure as I handed it out to the students. I gave them a start, and I said, this is what I expect. On the back, you see the instructions that were given to them. I loaded it into RenWeb, and I gave them the instructions. I gave them what could be. They didn't have to make any changes. And again, it was a brochure, so it was going to be folded when they were through. Um, I gave them the front page, and I gave them the linear functions, and then their job was to complete the other functions, one on each panel. Their instructions were here, so... Part of the instructions were to delete this and put another function there and then fold it. And the idea was that if they did a good job on it, then they could use this as a study guide then as we went through the year. Now, this was for pre-calculus, and I did it towards the beginning of the year when we were studying all the different functions, <clears throat> what they looked like, what some of their um, properties were. You could do this with a variety of things. Uh, in geometry, you could do a brochure where you talked about side, angle, side, 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 side. Uh, angle side angle. It gives those students that like to work with computers an opportunity to do this, um, something of this nature. So this is one of the things that I have done, um, and those instructions are in that packet somewhere. But let's stop there for just a minute, and 
I would like um, maybe look at my outline. Has anyone else done any other kind of project other than just poster boards and that type of thing? You do uh, like a linear graph, and then it's greater than or less than, and their instructions. So if they do all of the problems of the instruction correctly, it'll come up to be a flag of a certain country. Okay. And then they have different countries, and, and the more complex the flag, the more points they get, and they have to do so many points. Okay. And so they can do a bunch of simple flags or like one big difficult flag. Has anyone else ever done anything other than you did uh, stepping stones? You want to tell them what that was? Okay. Um, it, it, we did it in geometry, and they've done it before. But what they have to do that we work with patterns. You know, when you do patterns and um, drawing a blank, what comes with patterns in geometry? It's um, all the things that come with patterns in geometry. Hello, I know it's there somewhere, but anyway, you, they first have to work on the patterns and have to show you that it's uh, all the different kinds of uh, functions that come with it would be reflection they could choose reflection glide reflection symmetry uh, transfer transform translation um, so they had to choose I told them how many they had to do and then they make the pattern and what they do then is they put it in cement they make the pattern with glass or they can choose any medium but they put it in a cement stepping stone and they set it and then and put it out. They also, along with it, have to draw the pattern on paper for us and for me to turn in. But then we put the stepping stones out at our school, and so they're all around the school. Anyone else have a project they've done that didn't involve just doing a poster board? Which I'm not saying that poster boards aren't good. There's some terrific things you can do with poster boards, but there's a lot more out there. Right next door, we have a wonderful workshop, I'm sure, on other technology um, that I wish we could all be listening to. So there's so much out there that, that we can do. Has anyone else ever done anything? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, how did you do that? They had to do the sets of points and graph the X and Y axis, and if they graphed all the points correctly, it then connected, and it would be a constellation. Cool. That's neat. I never would have thought of doing a constellation. We have done, in Algebra 1, one of the things you have in that packet is a project for, that was used in our Algebra 1 class where they were to design just a picture with, with different types of lines and include the slope and that type of thing for those lines. Um, and I've included those instructions in there. Um, <clears throat> that particular teacher did a wonderful job. I, I'm always so impressed when they look so neat and professional like <laughs> uh, It has the rubric on the back and mine don't tend to always look that neat and professional, but uh, I was very impressed with that one. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about what's in your packet, and then um, we can talk about some other things I have to show you. The first two pages, where do you get your ideas? When you do math things, whether they're activities or whether they're actual projects, where do you get your ideas? Besides other people, I mean, basically I usually steal from other people, but uh, does anyone else have any other? <laughs> all right, that's why we're all here, right? <laughs> Well, one of the best places I was able to borrow ideas, last year um, Faith Academy sent me to a pre-AP workshop uh, for, that focused on pre-calculus. And um, I, I came home so excited. I spent five days in a classroom with 30 other math geeks, and we talked math for six or seven hours a day. 
and, and it was fantastic. It was so much fun. I learned so much. Um, I would highly suggest that you find a workshop of some sort. Even though at Faith Academy we do not offer pre-AP classes or AP classes, I want to know what the other schools are doing. I want to know what the public schools are teaching their kids so that I can prepare my students to compete with those people when they get to college. Um, and so I just got so much information from that workshop. And that's what these first two pages are. This is the notes that I typed up when I got back and sent to my, took to my school. Um, really neat ideas, uh, <clears throat> which I won't be able to remember now. Um, one of them that pertained to me was on extra credit. Instead of just giving extra credit because they did a hard problem, I mean, think about it. If they're doing poorly on the test, are they going to be able to do the hard problem? The suggestion was made to come up with other ways to do extra credit that is available to anybody. Anybody would be able to do. Um, one of the best ones that I took back and used and would be usable in any level is note cards. The students were asked to make note cards for their chapter. And if they provided 25, 30, whatever you decide, note cards, and handed them to you on the day of the test, if they made them up themselves and they supposedly used them to study, and then they handed to the, them to you on the day of the test, then I will add five points to their test grade, no matter what they do. That is something that any student in the class is capable of doing. The hard problem on the test, only the ones that already have a 95 are going to be able to do. The second thing that works primarily for your older kids that I brought out of that was a uh, study group <clears throat> idea, which, how do we study in college? We find other people that do what we are, are working with, what we're working with, and we form a study group. So they were allowed, and I have a study group verification form that had to be signed by an adult that was present when they were studying. They could study at the library, at their home. They could study at Starbucks. As long as there was an adult presence that knew that they were there for an hour, for 45 minutes, whatever the time frame was, who was there, the adult has to sign it, give their phone number, and verify that these students were there. That was my second option for extra credit. I completely took that extra problem off the test. It, it made so much more sense to me when someone said that to me because they're right. Um, there are other ideas here, different ways to do different activities in the classroom. Um, I'll just let you, calculator hints that I picked up. Um, I know quite a bit about the calculator, but not everything. Websites that we explored while I was there. I went back to some of them recently, and I'm not sure all of them still work, but there were some good ones there. The second page that I've given you is something that I developed for when I was teaching Algebra 1. I am a big believer in basically memorization. How do we learn how to add? We memorize that 2 plus 3 is 5. And a student really needs to be able to do integers that quick as well. So I developed a series of quizzes, and they're just very simple problems. None of the, none of the numbers are large. It is strictly to reinforce whether or not uh, the student knows the integer rules. I give them a quiz in class where I tell them they get two minutes and basically I stand there and wait until everybody's through the first time. Um, and the requirement is that they must make a hundred on a quiz twice before they can stop taking them. That's how important I think integers 
are learning integers in the Algebra 1 classroom and being good at them. After about three or four days of doing it in class, it becomes a lunchtime or before school uh, project for them. But they must come in and continue to take a quiz every day that they come to class until they make a hundred on two of them. Uh, that's one way to, for me to reinforce the importance of integers. And while I'm on integers, could you all tell us about the game you played back there? Why is it called slap? Slap because we had to look at the problem, and if you knew the answer, you had to slap the answer. <laughs> and so then you would get to pick up the problem out of the center pile, and then that was your hold, and then you went on to the next card, and whoever had the most number of cards of equations then won at the end of the game. Okay, this is just a simple way, and it's something kind of fun. I may put it out the first week of school to have in the classroom, just sitting there as they walk in the room. I play it with them. And, of course, it gets kind of funny because I have some pretty sharp nails, and I have a ring, and I get aggressive, and I get to play in with them, and I slap those cards. And um, I will comment that after listening to one of the talks yesterday about any kind of game you play, everyone should be able to win. I got to thinking about this game because this game is only fun if you can win <laughs> and only one person wins. So I was thinking last night, how could we redo that game? Well, we could redo that game by saying anybody that ends up with five, ten cards, whatever we decide, depending, you can have four or five play at a time, um, wins. So if everybody at the table has at least five at the end of the game, they win. And so that would be a way to kind of, uh, I do see the logic in that because you do see kids that as they start to lose, it's like, I don't want to play anymore. Um, along with that, you do need a judge because if the kids playing it don't really know the answers, then you have a problem. Um, so I do have typed out the problems with the answers next to them so that um, whoever is the judge has the answers there to look at and to make sure they're getting the right answers. Um, so that's something else I've done with integers just to make it a little bit fun. Um, give them a little bit of excitement about a math classroom. Um, on the next page, again, is the art project with just the lines that I told you about that I'm just so impressed with the way she wrote that up. Uh, on the back of that's the rubric. The next page is a name symmetry algebra name tag project. Um, this was something I pulled out of um, my daughter's notebook. My daughter also teaches math in uh, New Braunfels, Texas, and she... Um, she went last year to a middle school pre-AP conference, and so she shared her notebook with me, and I pulled this out of there. I thought this would be kind of a fun first day of school activity. Um, if you turn the, to the back of it, did you get one, Trish? Okay. Um, if you turn to the back of it, you see they take their name, and their names have different numbers. This is a sample. Um, their names have different numbers, and those numbers give them points, and they end up with a design, a symmetric design, that becomes their design. Every person's name would be different. I thought that might be kind of fun and cool to do for the first day. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, the next sheet is something I started last year. Do, when y'all give a test, do you give a review, like something take home with it? Yes or no? Yes. Nod your head. Yes. Okay. 
Uh, I do the same. I always give them some kind of written review to take home with them to study. Um, are your students like mine, and do they all study? Right. Uh, so I came up with this. This is what I call a study for test instructions. This is for a daily grade. Number one, review your work for the chapter, homework, quizzes, and notes, and they have to check it off. How much time did you spend reviewing? They have to fill in a number. Check it off. Set aside 55 minutes, 45 minutes, 30 minutes, however many minutes you think your test will take, and complete the review as if it was actually the test. When I give them a review, I give them the review with the answers worked out as well. I do not go over that in class. We do other stuff in class to review. I give them an actual written review with the answers to take home and study, so they have something separate. Uh, it's usually the same format. The test will be very similar. Uh, then grade the review. And so I tell them how to grade the review and how many points each problem would be. And then what would your grade have been? Fill that grade in here. Go back and study what you need to study. Um, they have to turn that little sheet of paper in on the day of the test to me, and I count it as a daily grade. I don't care if they say they took the review and made a 55 on it, as long as what they then say is, you know, I thought I really knew what I was doing. I had to go back and I, I have no way of checking that they really do that. But what I find is they think they know it, and so they don't really do a lot of things. And then this gave me a way to say, do you really know as much as what you thought you knew? Um, I found that to be beneficial. I don't do it for every test, but I do it at least two or three times every other one, something so that um, they get a feel of it. Okay, the next two cases are algebra experiments that I've used, and one of them we actually worked on up here, and I had, um, I don't remember your name, but, or I don't know your name, maybe, what did I do with this? Paola uh, was doing the experiment for us, so could you tell us what you did? Um, we and Jen and I with uh, we were measuring the weight on the spring uh, to separate dependent and independent variables, okay. and I will think we will graph after that. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, this is a linear experiment called stretching springs that came from. This book, Algebra Experiments, there's a one and a two. What I've discovered over the years is if I don't try something, I never use it, which is one of the reasons I actually brought the spring for us to try here in the classroom and look at it. This is Algebra Experiments 1. I found it online. I used to use it when I was in public school, and then when I left, I didn't have the book anymore. I went to Amazon.com and got it for $5. It has a school name printed in the front, but they sold it to me. So. There's also an Algebra Experiments 2 that is nonlinear. They're all set out. I've given you copies of two of them. One is Stretching Springs, which we're doing here. The other is called The Wave, which is kind of fun. They sit and they do the wave, you know. And you time them. You collect the data. I like the Stretching Springs. I like to do it first. I plan to do this with my Algebra 1 students. Notice that my spring is a slinky and that I use a very simple ruler to just put it between the two tables and that my little basket is nothing but a little film canister with a paper clip. Very easy and inexpensive to make. I usually try and have about three students in a group, so however many you need for that. You can use big slinkies, little slinkies, any size slinky. The plastic ones don't work well. They need to be the metal ones. Um, put it between there, and for this particular one, you're measuring the distance from the floor to the bottom of the cup. 
you collect your data, as they did for me here. Um, I, when I grade this, I tell them any spot they leave blank, they lose five points. They all start with 100. Anything you leave blank is five points off, including the description and the picture. And they, what do you want there? Draw me a picture. <laughs> what kind of picture? <laughs> a picture. <laughs> Describe what we're doing. Read the instructions. Um, it's always the simplest little things that give them so much trouble. Then we will graph it. I talk a lot about they'll put the x and y axis right in the middle of the page. And well, do we really need all three of those quadrants? Uh, you talk about that type of thing. Once you've graphed it on the back, it gives you, it works them through finding a best fit line. Uh, spaghetti noodles work really well to do a best fit line because they're very thin and you can lay them over the, the data sheet and kind of move them around. Um, I have them circle the two points on that line that we're going to use. And then on the back, it works them through taking those two points, finding the slope and the y-intercept and then the equation. Um, then using the equation that you came up with, answering some questions. So this one is stretching springs. The one after it should be the wave. <laughs> um, I have used both, and I love doing them. I like to use this type of thing on a, um, a Friday before Christmas the last day uh, before some kind of break where I don't want to have to have homework or don't want to grade anything or it's, we had the test on Wednesday, I don't want to start something new Friday, um, something along those lines. After that is, of course, the brochure that I did and the last one is the instructions that I used for my pre-cal project. Um, so that's what's in the packet. In addition to that, I have, I had a very difficult time deciding what to print. There's so much fun. Um, not knowing how many people would be here and what uh, we would run across, I have four other things that I just did a few copies of. And then I have some things I didn't make copies of that are really fun. So let's look at... Um, okay, where did it go? I'm one of those very organized, disorganized people that I know it's here somewhere. And I thought I had it all together. <laughs> okay. Somewhere here I have some really cool little triangles to show you this. This is a project uh, called Fractal Patterns. I have used this anywhere from Algebra 1 up to Pre-Cal. Um, depending on the level of the student, how far you go with it. Let me just, I only have five of these, I think. So uh, probably geometry wouldn't be using them. But um, oh, did I give you two? Well, we have enough. I guess I made more than I thought. So I have a couple of extras if anybody wants more. Um, it does give the instructions, and these instructions are actually fairly well written. <clears throat> I can follow them. You start with a triangle, and you go through the steps of creating a Sierpinski triangle. Um, here's where I have it. 
Here is my Serpentine Triangle. I, I always use bright colored paper for that. You print that one page, and I like to use bright colored paper because I like to liven things up with a little bit of color. These are some of the Sapinski triangles that my students have created over the, well, this past year. And um, so once I get them to do one of their own, I think there's two there. Yes, no? Okay. Once they've completed their triangle, then I challenge them to get together and try and make uh, the next step. If you're familiar with fractal patterns, it's a self-replicating pattern, one that repeats itself over and over and over again. And if you look at this, the top little triangle actually is the very same design as the bigger triangle. So I challenge them to go to the next level. If we went one level up, how many of your triangles would we need to do that? And so we go one level up and we staple it up on the wall or on the bulletin board. And when I had big classes, I would go even one step further, and we'd go out in the hall, and we'd fill the whole hallway with Sierpinski Triangle. Um, so this is an activity that does that. <laughs> if you'll notice, um, I believe the last column on the back, it goes through and asks them to start looking at what end up being sequence and series type work, which in pre-cal, when we get to that chapter, this is when I use this. <laughs> For an algebra one, I would just basically do the basic information. Um, I have added a little in column on the end because by the pre-cal level for sure, probably algebra two as well, I want them to be able to tell me what that would be in terms of n. Is it three to the n, two to the n, two to the n plus one, uh, whatever that sequence would be. So I have added that column all the way down to get that information. Um, again, this is a project that I've used, oh, they have, some other types of fractals that you can make, I always just leave those as extra credit. We do the one together in class, and then if they want to take the other home to do on their own, they can for extra credit. So that is the Serpinski Triangle. This is a geometry project, that the Stepping Stone project that um, Linda was talking about a little while ago. Um, she's kind of explained that to you. There's a copy of her rubric there. Um, and she's ex kind of explained the process of going through and coming up with a design, talking about the symmetry. Did you think of anything else to say about it? Okay. Okay. Um, this is a group of data. It's nothing but a bunch of problems that are data. Um, I love to take the calculator and once they've studied different kinds of functions, have them put the data in the calculator and try and figure out which function to the best fit. Um, I really like doing that and I, I was running across times when I wanted to do something but I didn't have exactly what I wanted. So I went into other books and found a bunch of data and put it all together so that I have one packet of just nothing but data sets. And I believe the first few are linear and then it goes into quadratic. I believe there's some cubics um, as you go a little further. Um, did I include the page that, that has the answers? Of course not. Um, hmm, sorry. This last one that I have to hand out is a project, again, that I believe our Algebra One teacher did, and it is family 
of linear functions and also quadratic and other functions. Um, the instructions on the first page are families of linear functions, and then there's the little worksheet that goes with that somewhere in there. Um, there it is. Mm. There's linear. They're not in order, are they? There's linear. Here's quadratic. Just comparing what the different changes of the constants and the coefficients does to the, the equation. Those are all the wonderful handouts that I have um, to actually hand out to you. I brought some other books and things, and then I'd like to know, oh, and I have some websites I'd like to show you. Um, this is a hexaflexagon, and I had the ladies over here working with those. Can you tell us what you did with these? <laughs> yeah, you got to have a three-pointed star. You every other. There are six different faces to this, and um, I, I honestly, I can't tell you what the object is. I think it's probably geometry because it's patterns, but, but it was fun. <laughs> Logic. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things that was just so much fun. I really enjoyed doing it. It, it has six faces to it, and depending on how you fold it, you'll get different faces. And even when you come up with the same face, sometimes the design looks different. Um, finding four of them isn't too difficult. The fifth one's a little bit hard. Getting that sixth one takes a long, yeah, takes a long time. So I used to do these with freshmen. The public school I taught in, we had a block schedule where we had Algebra one classes every day for 90 minutes. So I had a lot of time to do fun stuff. And so I would do these one day, and I would give them a grade depending on how many faces they could find once they made it. And um, it's hard to get that sixth one. I don't know if y'all want to play for a minute. Here's another one. You want to play? <clears throat> I am sure there's some really good mathematical reason. Well, I do have some other books and some other things to show you. We've lost the geometry people. That's okay. They're, they're different anyway. They need their own group. <laughs> How many of y'all teach geometry? Oh, you act like a geometry person, though. <laughs> okay, this is a workbook, again, that I got from my daughter that uh, I'm sure you've all seen different activity type workbooks, and I'm sure that Cooper is somebody that put this together or made this. But it's, it's different activities where they work problems, and it starts out with real simple things. You could, in an Algebra one or even a pre-Algebra class, um, Linda, you might want to look at this. 
you can find all kinds of pages with a bunch of simple problems and then uh, like this says 2x equals 12, so the answer is 6. So anywhere that number 6 is, they color it in to look like this. And then they end up with some kind of geometric design. It will be really easy to grade because the designs either right or wrong. Uh, but uh, this was just a book of that kind of collection of things. This is something that, have any of you ever used algebra tiles? Okay. I actually went online and bought myself algebra tiles because I love using them when you teach factoring. Um, they're mm, not really probably necessary just to add polynomials, but when you factor, it helps you to visually see um, why x squared plus 2x plus 1 factors into x plus 1 times x plus 1 because you line them up um, along this little t-bar and it really is a visual for those kids that are visual learners for factoring. Um, I just ordered this and I did make one copy of some of the activities that go along with that if anyone's interested in that copy. Okay. And again, I went online and I just I started Googling algebra tiles because I knew what I wanted and um, I would typically, I only bought five sets of the actual tiles which I, can, I brought with me I think. If any of you are interested in looking at them and playing with them a little bit more to see if you would be interested, I have them here and we can look at those at the end. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be fun. They, the little, these little packets, it was like four or five dollars for eight, one, for one student set. So I bought like four or five sets. I figure two to three students together, our classes are pretty small, that's probably. And I got the book at the same place. Oh, a big tub of them. Ah, that's a good idea. That way, the next class can have them, and of course, if you are missing something, then you order. Yeah. But with the small classes and the kids' classes, yeah. They order <laughs> yeah, you never get it back. <laughs> I went on. Oh. And then you can do. You can get overhead set. Yeah. Um, I just went online, and this is learning resources. I ordered this. Um, okay, I'm sure you've all seen the good old Cartesian pictures. That's pretty, it's been around quite a while. Just a fun way to kind of spice up graphing instead of just doing, okay, graphing points. Um, this has all different levels where you can do something pretty basic, which I don't think I ever really got past the basic with them, just because it takes too long to plot all the points. Um, but it's just something, instead of doing the just plot the point thing, let's plot the points and get a picture. And I would typically pick like three or four that are the same level and pass those out so not everyone has the same picture. And uh, they plot the points, they get the picture, they can color it, whatever they want to do. So that's pretty, that's been around a while, but pretty good. Um, okay, uh, this is one of my favorites. But let's look here. I have, our school is going to this year offer a, 
I taught a seminar class where it's for advanced students, and it's not. It's, they have to be junior, senior, and eligible for honor society is the way they're allowing the students to go into this. Um, and each six weeks they have a different topic. What we were finding is that we don't have time in class to cover some of the really cool things, but maybe they're not quite as necessary to the curriculum. And for those students that are a little more advanced, um, like I think one six weeks they're going to be covering the Constitution. It's not just math, it's, it's uh, school-wide. One six weeks on the Constitution. All I really know is that my six weeks we're doing probability statistics and data collection. So I am going to have six weeks with junior, senior students where I can actually really dig into probability and statistics. And um, I ought to do this because this is really interesting to me. So I've spent a lot of time online lately looking for um, different things. We'll do that in a second. Um, as a result of that, I went back and rejoined NCTM. You know what NCTM is? National Council Teachers of Mathematics. Um, they have a quarterly, I believe it is, magazine that comes out, um, and it's by level. Um, you can you can uh, join either the high school level, secondary level, the elementary level, or the middle school level, and you'll get a magazine. And teachers submit projects that they have done to NCTM for publication. Um, so you get some really good ideas there. Um, of course, I say that, and I have pulled up the TI website. Have you all ever used this website? Okay. I spent a lot of time looking at it because I was looking specifically for probability problems. So here's what I did. I went to TI, and the website is listed on your sheet where I went. Uh, classroom activities, notice right underneath there is activities exchange. So I went there. And, oh, shoot. My computer went to sleep. I have it in my pocket. Hold on. What? I thought it was 1230. Is it 1215 or 1230? Oh, rats. So never mind. We won't do this then. Okay. Um, well, the websites are on there, and you can look at those different websites and see the, what I was thinking of. This is called the Stroop Test, which have you ever tried to read words that are printed in the wrong, or read the color when they're printed? It's called the Stroop Test. This is one of the ones I'm going to do, and I got this from an NCTM magazine. I found millions of, uh, well, I shouldn't say millions, a large number of projects already put together for me on the TI website. Also on USA Today, if you've never been there, that website's listed on there as well. And it has some really good things. They provide all the teacher materials and all of those things. Since I'm out of time and I didn't really know it, uh, let me ask if any of y'all have any really cool ideas that you'd like to share before we go. Fun things that you do in the classroom to have fun or to help your math classroom go better. Mm-hmm. What not to do. Okay. That's sometimes as important or more so than what to do. What not to do. We make pie dough masters. 
So you made what kind of necklaces? Pi day. Pi day necklaces. Uh, so, uh, uh-huh. And you try to, you know, you put the, uh, I put a pie symbol in a little charm, and then they had to put uh, one, like, for each, they put a certain color for each. For each each digit for each number. A one is white, a two is green. And, then, yeah. uh-huh. and um, so, it was just a waste. <laughs> Sometimes we learn as much from those or, or more from the things not to do. <laughs> How funny. Anybody else? Okay. I use foldables. It's a book the same as the advertising. I use a lot of foldables for theorem, geometry, and real numbers, cards, you know, for the pre-algebra kids that they can memorize the groups and numbers. One of the things that I do for extra credit hard balance, isn't it? <laughs> Finding that balance. Any other ideas or comments? I ran into another math teacher the first day we were here, and um, she's actually the one doing the one next door, so she wasn't able to be here. And I'd ask her, do you have any other things that you do? And she gave me two folders of things that I have on my computer. If anybody has a little jump drive, or if they have your computer, I have a jump drive. I can put it on your computer if you're interested. It has those and some of the ones I have. So uh, if you're interested, that'd be great. We are out of time, plus five. So I thank you for coming, and I hope you got something beneficial from what we did.